0: Hello, Marketeers! Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers. So this is part two of my book report on Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Last time we talked about mirroring and labeling. And as a recap, mirroring is repeating most important or last one to three words of what someone said. Labeling is, it sounds like, it looks like, it seems like. The point of these is to use them as extensions of your normal interactions to build relationships and strengthen communication. So the next few tools in the toolbox are mastering no and getting a quote unquote that's right through effective pauses, mirroring, labeling, paraphrasing, and or summarizing. So let's start with mastering no. Chris Voss makes a point that forcing a yes can make someone feel backed into a corner and in some cases you could get a false yes just to try, try and get people off of our backs, I'm sure we've all been on the receiving end of a false yes and also the distributors of a false yes. So, to combat this and make your counterpart feel in control, your best move is to get a no. A no allows the real issues to take center stage. It protects people from making ineffective decisions and also slows things down so that people can really embrace their decisions and the agreements they enter into no helps people feel safe secure emotionally comfortable and in control of their decisions and the most useful example he gives for this is provoking no in an email he says this especially works when you're being ignored i'm going to take his sample of the the no email and apply it to aec marketing so Let's say you're working with a project team member that is avoiding you and not sending you your approach text or maybe their resume edits, whatever it is. Ask the question, have you given up on this project? Or maybe, have you given up on this proposal? Have you given up on your resume updates? These questions all prompt a no response, but invite the person to elaborate on their situation while also creating loss aversion. And I think we've, we've all heard this, that like people are more wary of losing things than they are of gaining things. Like loss is a heavier motivator than gain. So when I read this, my first instinct was, I can't actually imagine saying that because that's so rude to say to someone. And thankfully, Chris Voss is one step ahead of me. And he made the point literally in the next section, like the next paragraph, And I'm going to read it because it's something that I needed to hear. It was like one of those where you think it and then it's addressed like right away. So here's what he said. Now, this may seem like a rude way to address someone in business, but you have to get over that. It's not rude. And though it's direct, it's cloaked with the safety of no. Ignoring you is what's rude. And that was like a big aha moment for me. So, getting someone to say no is actually so important that if someone isn't giving you a no, you could intentionally mislabel one of their emotions or desires, or ask a ridiculous question or make a ridiculous statement. Like, it seems like you want this project to fail, and that will automatically elicit a no response. I'm just going to insert my own personal experience here because after I read this, the idea of being this direct made me so uncomfortable. But in the name of science and (laughs) this podcast episode, I've given this a go both in my personal life and with this podcast, which is the closest I can get to a working situation right now that I'm still on maternity leave. So I can tell you, in both cases, this does work. I have a group chat of friends that is constantly pushing back a meetup and it's usually a dinner. Um, It takes a lot of coordination on my end to get out in the evenings. And so I usually try and plan ahead as much as possible. Uh, And with two little ones, it's just, it is really difficult. So getting things pushed out is really annoying for me. So I just texted this group, have we given up on going out together? And I kid you not, for the first time, everyone managed to agree on a date, time, and place in less than a day and actually followed through. And I think it's because not doing that meant they had given up. And so I will be using this for the rest of my life, I think. I couldn't actually believe how effective it was. So then after that, I was like, okay, maybe this does work. And I tried it with this podcast I am going to peel back the curtain on this podcast for a second to say that I have a list of topics and guests I'd like to have on the podcast. Sometimes people reach out to me and it lines up with one of the topics I'd like to talk about. Sometimes I scrap an idea for something better. And sometimes I really want a certain person to come on the podcast and in those situations, getting them to agree to come on isn't the problem. It's the actual follow-through. So I I am getting a, a version of a a false yes. So I tried this and I can say that it does work. The next thing that Chris Voss talks about is getting a quote unquote that's right is the winning strategy in all negotiations. And getting your right is a disaster because nothing actually changes. And again, we've all given a your right with absolutely no intention of changing any of our behaviors. So before we dig into how to get there, I think it's helpful to think about a time when you've given a your right versus that that's right so that you can get into this headspace. A dentist's office is the perfect example for me. I gave lots of your rights at the dentist when he would talk to me about flossing. And then I switched to a new dentist about a year ago. And I was just back in recently. And she actually showed me what was going on and how it connected to my teeth. And probably for the first time ever, she got me to a version of That's Right And I have literally been flossing my teeth every night since. (laughs) I know what she did and it still works. So my point there is to say that these aren't tricks because I don't actually feel tricked. Situations where you might want to get a that's right in our line of work include agreeing on a strategy for a big project or pursuit. Getting a client to confirm their pain points and feel understood getting buy-in on a strategic plan or a marketing plan, maybe even getting a budget approved, a marketing budget approved. So kind of like what we talked about in part one, using pauses and silences allows someone to keep talking until their emotions are out, along with their objections and thoughts. So this is all how we're going to get to the that's right I should have said that before I started. So the next thing is using simple phrases like, yes, huh, okay, I see. Convey that you're listening and understanding. I think some people call that active listening. And then mirroring, we talked about this, what people have to say while they're talking, i.e. repeating back the most important phrases, and then labeling these emotions and informations to convey understanding paraphrasing what's been said in your own words just to make it make sure it sounds like you're not just parroting back what they're saying if this is a longer conversation and then a summary so the summary should articulate what's being said and the underlying meaning basically a combination of paraphrasing and labeling so Paraphrasing plus labeling equals summary. So the summary, the way Chris Voss explains this, is it should accurately depict the world according to dot 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 this person. The only response from there is a that's right. And now you're in agreement and can move forward with whatever your desired end goal is, whether it's an approach written or consensus on company core values, or proving to a client that you're the right team for the job and framing it in a way that complements the world according to this person. He also touches on, like, a, I want to say a handful more topics and tactics that I won't have time to recap. But the last one that I thought was really insightful is to get into this habit of asking how, what, and occasionally why questions. So here's a list that he gives. And I think they're great to use in AEC marketing, dealing with colleagues, clients, internal stakeholders, basically anyone. So I'm going to go through this list and then give an example of where I think they could be useful. Obviously, you know, you can start brainstorming with me as I, as I talk through these. So what about this is important to you? I see that as a great question for a go-no-go discussion. How can I help make this better for us? This could be used for a team that's frustrated with content or maybe for a project that's gone off the rails. How would you like me to proceed? that could just be when, you know, instructions aren't clear. I could see that in a million situations. What is it that brought us into this situation? That could be gold if someone is really upset about the progress of a proposal. I've been on, you know, pink team and red team calls where the PM is really, really pissed off that there's so many blank spaces. And, you know, sometimes that's marketing's fault. I'm not going to say that it's not, but I'd say chances are it's a combination of a few different factors, and asking that question could be a really good way to diffuse any anger and sort of shift towards problem solving. How can we solve this problem? That's just a great brainstorming question. What's the objective or what are we trying to accomplish here? I mean, any strategy meaning ever could use this one. How am I supposed to do that? He talks a lot about this particular question, and he he uses it quite a bit. He calls it a calibrated question, and that could literally be a whole another episode. But the way I could see this being used, you know, in standard conversation is maybe someone is telling you that they'll get their info to you by close of business, and then expects you to have it out the next morning the the prompt for this is basically you're trying to get the other person to solve this problem for you so that it's not you putting up the objections it's them having to see the world through your eyes so how am i supposed to do that is one of the ones that he really drills in this entire book so i hope all of this was useful i know it was a big information dump i have not been great about you know combining all of these Tactics, but I will say that just reviewing them and going through them and then practicing them, some of them have started to come more naturally, like labeling and mirroring. Those two I've started to use a lot more frequently. I catch myself when I'm asking questions, you know, saying why and trying to transition those to how's and what. And that does typically get a better response. And slowly but surely, I'm getting better at being more direct and going after these no answers. And when I consciously do that, that's when I really see the most like, I almost want to say magic because it just, because it's so counter to how I would naturally operate. I think it's such a shock when it actually does work. So, I hope you're finding the same things. I hope this book report was fun for you. It was really fun for me. I feel very scholarly when I do these and I'd like to do them in the future. So please let me know if you enjoyed them. If there's a book that you'd like me to do my next book report on, the only thing I ask is that it be easy to, not easy to apply, but applicable to the AEC industry and AAC marketing. So with that said, I'm so glad we got to to cover this book, Never Split the Difference. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and if you can, go give it a little five-star review somewhere and leave a review. You can also follow me and my guests on LinkedIn and New episodes are released every other Wednesday and we will chat soon.